0: well good morning good afternoon and good evening depending on where you are in the world and what time it is when you're tuning in this is Perrin desports and i'm your host for the group practice accelerator podcast from polaris healthcare partners if you're an entrepreneurial dentist or physician and you're interested in building a successful group practice you found your primary resource for some of the industry's best business education. My partner, DeWalker Sinha, and I have decades of experience helping people just like you launch, scale, and ultimately exit successful group practices. In short, we create clarity, confidence, and results. Welcome, everybody, to yet another episode of the Group Practice Accelerator podcast. We are back to metrics today, my friends. All of you data heads and analytics in the, in the audience that love margins and numbers and all that, I'm gonna share something we call the scalability framework. That's right. Um, the Polaris scalability framework to, to brand it as such. We'll dig into that, talk a little bit about operating leverage. We'll talk about building a more valuable business and we'll talk some more detail on today's episode. It'll be a note-taking episode for sure. So get your pad and pen ready through another cup of that wonderful meal of coffee. I've got one myself. The Group Practice Accelerator podcast is on the air. Well, welcome everybody once again to the Group Practice Accelerator podcast. I am your host, Perrin Desports. I thank you very much for joining me on the show today. So we've been talking about um, the entrepreneurial journey and kind of the way uh, we assess the group practice marketplace on the last couple of episodes of the show. And this is one that is, uh, today's episode is really one that's oriented more at a mindset shift around how to how to gauge success. Um, and and how to deem your business to be successful or the way you need to think about that. Uh, And this is sort of a a change in mindset from uh, maybe a traditional way of looking at success in a solo practice. So I wanna spend a little bit of time digging into some numbers um, and and really trying to orient you to uh, a different way of of looking at your business um, beyond just a sea of data points beyond uh, some, the way to look at success of a business beyond profit and loss uh, statements, uh, or even you know to a degree, valuation multiples. So let's dig in. Um, I'm going to go back for a quick second uh, to my Patterson days uh, and talk about the way we used to view uh, success that was predominantly in a solo practice context. So, you know, Patterson, like many distribution companies, well, heck, the way that the industry was um, constituted, all, most of uh, the profession was traditional solo practice, single location, usually single dentist, sometimes two partners working out of a location, but um, predominantly one location. So we, look, we used to gauge success of businesses, uh, of practices on a revenue per operatory standpoint. Um And just as an example, if you had uh, you and maybe a partner owned uh, a six operatory general dentistry practice and you generated a million and a half dollars in collections, that's two hundred and fifty thousand dollars per operatory, a million and a half in collections divided by six. two hundred and fifty thousand dollars per operatory. That was really a high level. Um, you know, going back a decade or so. And and one of the ways that um, everybody looked at, well, is that a successful practice or not? We talked about the, the revenue generation on the top end, and to a degree, we talked about it in terms of the number of operatories. The ADA average uh, practice being about $750,000 in collections, plus or minus a little bit. And those businesses are are probably four to five locations would be my uh, excuse me four to five operatories would be my guess on that so a good bit lower than 250 per operatory um maybe 150 per operatory thereabouts um but you know i think for those that were uh doing more expanded clinical dentistry um uh, you know with a high except case acceptance rate and a strong hygiene department at least in the uh, general dentistry space you know, $250,000 per operatory, uh, was, was pretty doggone good. Um, and that would count for if you had four ops and it was a million dollar collection practice too. So, you know, I I think that was the way, uh, a lot of advisors, a lot of, um, you know, third party, um, people would, would judge success and a lot of the way the profession judge success. We live in a different world now, don't we? Um, and things have, have changed, uh, and changed dramatically, both internally and externally, and I don't think that $250,000 per operatory holds nearly as much water as it used to. Don't get me wrong. If you've got six operatories and you're generating a million and a half dollars in collections, that's usually a pretty, uh, a pretty good business. However, if. I, if if that's the case and I ask, well, how many days a week are you open? And you say six days a week and you're open 10 to 12 hours per day, 50 weeks a year, all of a sudden that million dollar, a million and a half in collections starts to kind of diminish in overall, uh, relative success, I would say. So, you know, the, the revenue per operatory piece is, is not. Um the way to ul- ultimately judge success, especially in today's world of group practices. I would also tell you that for private equity backed enterprise groups, that's not the way they look at success either. so I think it's it's time if you haven't done this yet, it's time for a little bit of a mindset shift uh, as it relates to how we we judge success uh, and the metrics by which we evaluate. Our business, our practices, our overall business, and even those that we're potentially going to acquire. And so, this is something that we call the Polaris Scalability Framework. The Polaris Scalability Framework. Um, That framework, uh, if you grid it out, uh, has basically two axes to it. One is utilization rate, Um, that is defined as revenue per chair per hour. Utilization rate is revenue dollars per chair per hour. Uh, And on the other axis is EBITDA margin. You hear us talk a lot about EBITDA dollars, and you hear me say repeatedly that building a group practice is a game of EBITDA dollars, and that is true. But in this case, we're looking at EBITDA margin, the percentage, uh, EBITDA margin. That's different from dollars. So, utilization rate is dollars in revenue per chair per hour. And EBITDA margin is measured as a percentage to the bottom line. So what are we looking for on both of those axes and why? Well, on a utilization rate, this is for general dentistry here, um, you're looking at a window somewhere on the lower end of $125 per chair per hour and on the higher end, $175 per chair per hour. Specialty uh, uh, groups or, or those groups that do a lot of g- general dentistry groups that do a lot of specialty work tend to skew on the higher end of that range based around the nature of the expanded clinical treatment they're providing. Um, but for general dentistry The window is typically $125 to $175 per chair per hour. So when you think about the number of chairs that you have in your your, uh, total business, and you can dial this into a practice level, uh, and then you think about the number of days, uh, the number of hours per day that you're open, number of days per week and weeks per year, you start to understand a little bit more of the total capacity of the business. So taking full advantage and maximizing the inherent capacity is the ability to take advantage of the fixed cost structure of the business, the, the, the structure that doesn't change the structure that's there for the taking. Are you maximizing it? Now, if you have patients in the chair at every available. If you have patients in every chair for every hour that you're open every year, that's commendable. If you run a a completely fully maximized schedule, that's that's tremendous. There are no gaps in it. I know this is kind of like perfect case scenario, but just work with me here for a second. so if you if you have completely maximized that capacity, that's great. There are no gaps in the schedule. But, if you're doing low revenue types of procedures uh, or for or, or treating patients that have uh, lower uh, insurance reimbursement rates or or government payer rates or something like that, then you're really generating on the low end or even below the low end of that utilization rate window of 125 to $175 per chair per hour. Yes, you're taking maximum advantage of the capacity of the business, but you're not driving nearly enough revenue to do it. I mean, this is a situation where you're you're working harder, not smarter, so to speak, or you don't have the ability to do expanded clinical treatment that would yield higher dollars of revenue for the same amount of time. And that's really the understanding that you have to have. It's not just taking advantage of the capacity of the business and maximizing it, minimizing no-shows and broken appointments and stuff like that. But it's also doing higher value work that says you're going to generate more revenue for the same amount of time. And utilization rate takes into account all of that. Um, On the other axis, EBITDA margin. Again, not EBITDA dollars per se, but EBITDA margin in terms of percentage. And for a general dentistry group, we're always looking for a consolidated EBITDA margin somewhere on the low end uh, of about 18% and on the high end, 25%. Certainly, if you can generate more than 25%, don't stop doing that more is better in terms of margin here. Uh, But the window where we typically gauge success to be is somewhere between about 18 to 25%. So if you're running a a group that generates less than mid to high teens in terms of percentage, you've got some work ahead of you as it relates to probably both your fixed and variable cost structure. Um, But certainly um, uh, if you're in that window of 18 to 25%, then you're probably realizing some of uh the inherent potential of the cost the overall cost structure of the business and you should feel confident about scaling it so let's take both of these um sort of in concert with one another um because we call it a matrix because we look at these on different axes and we we do them uh in combination so let's take a, a look at a business that has low utilization rate and low ebitda margin so they're generating low revenue per chair per hour over the course of a year. And they're also generating low EBITDA margins, meaning um, the amount of revenue they're generating is, is not covering enough of the cost structure to really put a lot of dollars to the bottom line. And that's a business that if you can't change some of the revenue mix characteristics and start to generate more dollars for the same amount of time, and or you can't get your cost structure uh, in in control to generate more uh, bottom line impact for the same amount of effort. This is probably a, a business that's uh, this pending failure. Honestly, I mean it doesn't have a lot of inherent upside from a revenue generation standpoint, and it doesn't have a whole lot of upside from a profitability standpoint. So what are we doing there? We gotta we gotta correct both of them, and it may be hard to correct both of them simultaneously. You know, on the other hand, let's say that we got a A business that is generating uh high utilization rates so they're they they're generating uh the revenue per chair per hour maybe it's preferential reimbursement rates for traditional dentistry or it's expanded clinical treatment or a combination of all the above you know they're generating high utilization rate but it's low ebitda margin so, you got the top end, you got the revenue piece, but something's wrong in the cost structure of the business that's not yielding a lot of bottom line impact to it. Uh, this is a business where we liken it to being on a treadmill. you're you're you have high utilization rate and high dollar values in terms of revenue. You're working really, really hard to get that and probably doing a good job in terms of overall capacity and revenue generation. But whatever is inherent in the cost structure of the business, not nearly enough is falling to the bottom line. Uh, and this is something where we used to we used to say at Patterson there was a phrase for this uh, as it relates to to those businesses that we ran and operated that sales cover sins, right? So think about that: sales cover sins. Well, you know, if you're just generating revenue and and hoping to make it all up on revenue but not minding the margin, the bottom line impact of the business, you're working harder again, not smarter. You're you're on a treadmill, and, and there's only so long you're going to be able to run. Um, let's take the counter to that. Let's take a business that generates low utilization rate, uh, somewhere around $125 or less per chair per hour. So we're having some trouble with the top end uh, in terms of growing revenue and, and maximizing the fixed cost structure, but somehow we're generating high EBITDA margins. You don't see this too terribly often, but every now and again, um, people really lean out the cost structure of the business. Uh, they watch every expense like a hawk. Um, they they you know don't give gr- uh, tremendous raises to their people or they don't have a lot of extra people. So it, marginally, it's a very profitable business, but they're not generating a lot of top line growth. This is probably an operator who's milking the business uh, for personal income purposes. Not that there's anything necessarily wrong with that. But they're not truly interested in growing the revenue of the business. and And this is something you can only do for uh, a limited amount of time. I would call it borrowed time because you ultimately you've got if you've got the cost structure of the business dialed in, you got to prove that you can continue to grow um, the top line of the business because without that growth, your cost structure is going to incrementally eat up some of that marginal profitability, and that usually results in lower take-home pay. The other thing is, without the ability to grow the top line revenue of the business, you're you're in a little bit of jeopardy from a standpoint that if anything were to ever happen, to the top line of the business, it's gonna have pretty dramatic impacts on the overall marginal profitability, even though the cost structure is leaned out. You probably can't lean it out anymore. So the way we think about this business that has high marginal profitability, but low utilization rate, is that you can't cut your way to prosperity. You know, you really have to be mindful of doing both. And that leads us to a, a high EBITDA margin business and a high utilization rate business this is a business that is a pro- that has a proven operator at the helm uh, and somebody who has the understanding and the ability to deliver on both and that business that has high utilization rate dollars per share per hour and high ebitda margins in terms of percentage is really a business that probably cash flows wonderfully uh, it has a lot of upside as it relates to growth and expansion and should yield a lot of confidence to the owner or owners of the business that they're really cooking with gas. And obviously, those are the businesses that value most highly uh, when you have uh, the opportunity for an exit. So I hope that that some of this starts to ga- gain a, a little bit of clarity for you around um, the way we think about what success is, uh, both in terms of the revenue generation aspects of the business, but also the marginal profitability and the impact um, uh, to the business that we're making from a cost structure standpoint. The last thing I want to talk about is a concept that we have talked about on the podcast before. You don't hear us talking about it too terribly often, but this is a concept that was drilled into me as a general manager at Patterson. Uh, And that is a concept called operating leverage. Uh, Operating leverage uh, is simply growing the bottom line at a faster rate than you grow the top line, growing profit faster than sales, growing EBITDA faster than revenue, growing the bottom line at a faster rate than the top line. The reason that this is so important is because when you do it uh, and you experience bottom line growth that exceeds top line growth it means that you've got a handle on both your fixed and variable cost structure of the business and you should have significant confidence in making reinvestments for the growth of the business because you it yields profitability at a faster rate than the investment for growth itself and that is the mark of a true proven operator is the is the ability to create operating leverage meaning create greater leverage greater profitability through the operations of the business both both fixed cost and variable cost in the business and it is incredibly important uh, to understand that concept and to be able to um, uh, diagnose it in your business we do spend time with clients uh on this particular concept because it is so critically important uh, to the scalability of a business and, and also the competitive positioning from a viability standpoint so operating leverage if you've never heard us talk about it before if you haven't read a lot about it it's simply growing the bottom line at a faster rate than you grow the top line and the polaris scalability metrics uh, uh, matrix takes into account both of those metrics: um, EBITDA margins in terms of percentage, and obviously utilization rate as measured on a per chair per hour basis. I hope this gives you some context around what success looks like in a group practice uh, in the group practice space. This is the way a lot of private equity groups and enterprise level DSOs evaluate businesses, whether whether they tell you that or not, um, when they're looking to buy group practices. It's different a little bit on a solo practice context, but most of our audience isn't building solo practices anymore. So hopefully I've given you some things to think about as as it relates to the overall success of the business. Stick around with, uh, for some additional thoughts and to wrap up the show. Thanks again. Once uh, thanks once again to everybody for joining me on the show today. I really appreciate it, and I I want to state something I mentioned on a a, a couple of shows ago, and that is that we really value the positive impact um, or the the positive feedback we're getting and the impact that we're making in the marketplace. Um, I've had the opportunity to speak to a bunch of different groups at the start of this year, and really get a lot of. Positive response and a lot of kudos from the audience on our podcast, and I really appreciate that um, because we do work very hard at it. I encourage you, if you like what you hear, to share the show. Certainly, give us a rating and um, uh, uh, you know some feedback, some comments. That helps with show rankings and everything like that. One other thing I wanted to bring to your attention is that there are a lot of you uh, in the audience that listen to our our podcast. You subscribe to it off of. Um, I don't know iTunes or Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, all those other um, distribution channels. Uh, but there are a number of you that may not be subscribers to our news feed. You can subscribe to our newsfeed off of the website, and the news feed has a couple of things to it. We we drop the news feed I think every Friday. Um, but there's typically that week's blog release. So we, we talk about a lot of these same concepts in written format. We also do a short form video um, of these concepts that are, it's probably five to 10 minutes in length. Um, and it, it really brings to um uh, to light visually the concepts we talk about verbally on the podcast so it helps you to connect the dots is my point uh our youtube channel subscription uh, has grown dramatically in the last couple of months since we've been doing this and i think a lot of that is uh based around the news feed itself so the newsfeed also has like comings and goings you know new hires and press releases it has where we're going to be speaking at upcoming conferences it has you know where we've been in the field all this kind of stuff so i would encourage you to um subscribe to the newsfeed for additional con- uh, content and concepts that we share uh in a written format in a visual format from the stage and obviously links to our our podcast as well but that's a way to really take full advantage of of all the content that we're sharing um and i think there's a lot of it coming out of polaris these days i tend to be on most of it so if you like what you hear on the uh, podcast i encourage you to follow us in a couple of different other media outlets as well if you do have questions about anything that we share or if you want to follow up on any of it or dig deeper into any aspect of your business, feel free to drop me an email directly at at perrin.polarishealthcarepartners.com. You can always book a call with me, DeWalker, or any of our advisors off of the website as well. Um, Thank you so much for being a listener and a subscriber. We'll see you on the next episode.